Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. All right, Greeny, we roll along on ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Uh, despite the best efforts of Hembo, we're having a very good show. We got the trivia wrong today. He brings up one ridiculous thing after another, and yet we continue to roll on. Having said that, he actually had an outstanding tweet. When you tweet all that stuff out, guess what? Down and up, down and up, we got it. My favorite tweet of the day. Uh, I'm, I'm not able to read it because I can't get on Twitter, but thankfully someone actually posted the copy of it here. So Hembo tweeted this yesterday when news of the Harbaugh signing hiring in Los Angeles came out. Hembo tweeted, Michigan steals signs, Michigan gets caught. Jim Harbaugh uses the public backlash as motivation to win a national title. Jim Harbaugh bolts for the NFL and escapes inevitable NCAA penalties for the sign-stealing scandal under his watch. He's playing four-dimensional chess. Hembo, explain your tweet. Well, first of all, do you disagree with any of those statements? No. You agree with all of them? How could anyone disagree with them? The, 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 the end of it. The, the editorialization of the four-dimensional chess. I think that Jim Harbaugh is well, making— Well, I mean, if by that you mean he, he, he managed to take what most people would consider adversity, spin it into an enormous positive that certainly didn't help—excuse me, certainly didn't hurt them in their efforts to win a championship and may actually have helped, and then is getting out before the piper needs to be paid? Yeah. If, if that constitutes four-dimensional chess, then I think it's fairly obvious. I mean, he somehow managed to turn not only his program, but everyone that loves it, into, into a victim of a problem that, that he created. And now he's leaving at a time in which I think the program is likely to be decimated by NCAA sanctions. That, I think, is the likeliest thing here. That's why I think he's playing four-dimensional chess. Jim Harbaugh is aloof and bizarre and super unusual and has this sort of public persona now that's almost become a caricature. I happen to think he's brilliant because I don't happen to believe that you can wind up being so successful in that endeavor without being brilliant. And I think there's, it is a very good, it's a high likelihood that he identified that, that job as many as two or three years ago, as you told me, as a time in which he would jump from college to pro. I have no idea if the sign-stealing scandal at that point was something that he knew would you know, benefit them the way that it did, or if he had any knowledge of it whatsoever. I just think the whole confluence of circumstances makes him coming smelling out like a rose. The only thing I disagree, I agree with everything you said, except that he's aloof. He's really not aloof. He just doesn't play the game other people play. Like, Jim doesn't pretend to be anything. So if, if he's comfortable in a conversation with you, he's very friendly, fun, easy to talk to, um, he, he's, he's a, a fun, interesting guy. He just doesn't do what everyone else does. Like sometimes I think he's like some people buck the trends, right? There, there's a certain code of conduct that most people live by, right? So I came up in a business. Let's, let's, let's start with that. I came up in a business in, in, in this business where you never, ever talked about your competition, positively or negatively. You never, ever insulted anyone inside your own place. Th- these were the rules of the road when I got into broadcasting in the, in the 90s, the late 80s and the early 90s. That's all changed, but those were the rules. And so I still don't break them. I still live by those rules, and most people do. I'm a rule follower. It comes, it's a product of having you know, been raised the way I was raised. Like I was always afraid of getting in trouble. I've lived my whole life that way, and so I follow the rules. I use the expression color inside the lines. I do that as well as anybody does. But I don't cause problems, and that's the reason why. And 
Jim is not like that. There is a code of conduct of how you're supposed to behave when you're a coach, and he doesn't follow any of it. He doesn't follow it with regard to what he says about other coaches. He doesn't follow it with regard to the way he handles the media. He doesn't follow it with regard to pretty much anything. But um, I just, for some reason, aloof. Like, he, 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 are you saying that because he, when someone asks him a question, he just says what he feels like saying and doesn't even address it? And sometimes stares into outer space. I just, so do you think... He's unusual. You, He's an know, offbeat guy. You know him better than most in front of a microphone know him. Do you think our coverage of him, our characterization of him has been inaccurate or unfair? Oh, no. No, has, no, I don't think it's been unfair. He's an unusual guy. If you're go- so, so let me finish. The, the, then, then let me go back to what I was just saying. When you don't do things the way everyone else does them and the way all the rest of us have become accustomed to them being done, there's all, it's always going to be met with some backlash. People are always going to say, well, that's not how you're supposed to do this. Look, 10 years ago, I'm just going to use Micah Parsons because he's the first example that came to my mind, but it feels like half the players in the National Football League have a podcast. And now Jason and Travis Kelsey, um, all of these guys, you would never have heard NFL players saying the things out loud into the public that they now say daily. The things that get said every single day, there is something said publicly by an NFL player that 15 years ago would have been the number one story on SportsCenter. Every single day. And that's just the reality of it. We become accustomed to it. Jim doesn't follow the rules. He just sort of does his thing. He's, I, I, don't, I don't think he even really intends it that way. He just is a, he is a person. He is his own person, and he's not that concerned with what you think of it. Remember the time he had the handshake issue? Who was the coach he had the handshake issue with? Jim Schwartz. Schwartz. Jim Schwartz. I remember they asked Harbaugh about it, like in the press conference that week, and he said, "Yeah, I, I guess I got to work on the handshake." Like he just nothing could. The rest of us were like, "Oh my goodness!" The coaches met at midfield, and it was almost a fight, and they got into it. Oh my lord! Did you see this video? It's unbelievable. And Jim was like, "Yeah, yeah, I get that wasn't great," and he just moved on. Like we we treated it like it was Spygate, and he treated it like it was nothing. Now the the reality of it was probably somewhere in between those two things, but he just doesn't care what everyone else generally thinks. So for I think he's become, and I think this has been amplified by the sign stealing scandal, kind of a lightning rod, kind of polarizing. Perhaps now more than ever before to a cynical person like myself that might say, okay, so he's leaving this program at this time, knowing what we know. How am I not supposed to? view him and what he did there with sort of jaded color glasses how do i not do that um i mean i guess you can this is the harbaugh sound by the way that was that was on me a little too hard a little too hard on the handshake that's that's what he was saying that his handshake was too hard that was on me that was that was on me a little too hard a little too hard like that was his answer you almost got into a fight with the opposing coach in the post-game handshake well that was on me I shook his hand a little too hard. I mean, who would say that, right? He would say that, right? Because that's what happened, and that's what he's telling you. Do, do I think he's getting out while the getting is good? Look, it would be unrealistic. It would, it would be ridiculous not to see those two things. Like, one is happening and the other is happening. What, you're, what I feel like you're really asking is, that, is that the only reason it's happening? That's what, I'm, that's what I'm asking. And I think the answer to that is no. I think Jim has always wanted to go back to the NFL. I think his intention was always 
at some point to go back to the NFL. And I think he really, really, really wanted to win a championship before he did it. Michigan matters to him a lot. He still reveres Schembechler. That's an important place to him. The relationships, I mean, I keep talking about Ira Harris. Ira Harris was like a, a father figure to him, an incredibly important person who was one of the most important people at Michigan. That, that mattered to him. I don't think he wanted to leave there before the job was done. I think he wanted to complete the job. I think having won the championship with an opening that he found very attractive in the NFL, I think he would have gone anyway. Now, that doesn't dismiss what you're saying. I'm not being ridiculous. I'm not being naive here. But I I don't think it's beyond the, the realm of possibility that he would have gone back if they hadn't won the championship, despite the fact that all this is coming. I mean, he stayed that he got suspended twice last year. He served two separate three-game suspensions for two separate violations last year. And I don't know. What, what is going to happen with the NCAA? What do you think is going to happen? What I think is going to happen is that they'll be penalized somewhere between slap on the wrist and punch in the face. Somewhere in between. I don't know that they'll get anything vacated because we know that doesn't actually matter. I think we're talking about things like scholarship reductions and the kind of the more typical things that programs have been penalized by. Like, think, think Louisville 10 years ago with basketball, with all the things that happened with Patino. Something along those lines. But Rick Patino is still coaching. And Jim Harbaugh, after he spends four or five years with the Chargers, I think it's going to probably wind up going back to Michigan. That's probably, the job, that's probably the job that he retires to, too, after he wins the Super Bowl. He's, what, about 60 now? He's got to be three, four years older than me. He's probably 60. Jim that Harbaugh right? is, he is, I'm sorry, uh, 60 years old exactly. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, because he, he, he came out of Michigan either 85 or 86. I forget. He wasn't on the 85 Bears, so he would have been 86. 87 was the first year oh, 87. in Okay, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, so he's two years. Uh-huh. So, look, I, I, I think he's going to have more longevity in L.A. than we think, than, than he is usually given. Um, that, I think that what happened in San Francisco was, more than anything, a personality clash between him and the general manager. People always say, well, Jim is not a long-term answer. I, I don't, because he's moved from place to place. His movement from place to place was always steps up, 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 right? Anyone who's coaching at the University of San Diego and is offered the Stanford job is going to take it. Anyone who is coaching at Stanford and is offered the 49er job is going to take it. People only point to the 49ers only lasting four years, and they use that to say, well, he doesn't last long. He was just in Michigan for eight years. That's a long tenure in college, or and particularly nine pro nine years. That's a particularly long tenure in college or pro football. I don't think he left San Francisco as much because he wore everyone out as there was a significant um, personality clash between himself and the general manager. He seems like he, he wears you down, right? Doesn't that kind of feel like it was? Like the first three years you put up with it because you're in the conference championship game. The fourth year you go eight and eight, things start to unravel a little bit, and then his dream job becomes available, right? So I understand that side of things. I think, I think there are a lot of people within the sound of our voice, though, that are cynically saying, look at this guy leaving right before Michigan gets slammed, which yeah. I think is probably going to happen. Well, I mean, did they say the same thing about Pete Carroll? Yes, I don't they know. did. Oh, they, they absolutely did. You oh, I, yes. Hell yes, they said it. Is it true? Probably. I mean, this, this, look. 
people in life who said on get up the other day people are in life are as as loyal as their options like people look around and they say what is my best option here i'm not suggesting he's being disloyal to michigan as much as i'm saying if you're going to factor in on one side of the ledger so so if you actually do the old school draw a line down a piece of paper and on one side write pros and on the other side write cons you're going to write down the pros of leaving Michigan now and going to the NFL. The first thing I think you write is Herbert. The second thing I think you write is I accomplished what I set out to accomplish at Michigan. I genuinely believe, you can call me naive, I think those are the first two factors. You do? Yes. Now, getting out while the getting is good, getting out ahead of the posse, whatever the term is, that probably goes on the ledger. Not probably. It goes on the ledger, but I think it's third. See, I think he would have taken the Vikings job two years ago if it were offered him before he won the national championship. And they chose uh, Kevin O'Connell, which seemed to be the right decision. Either way, it doesn't really matter. He's, he's turned Michigan into a power. You're right. It's easily explainable now. Again, I just think there are a lot of people that don't like Jim that are highly suspicious that they're about to get slammed, that Sharon Moore is going to be put in a tough position, that Ohio State's going to lap him again. And it's going to be really easy if Michigan loses 44-16 to 16 next year to Ohio State. Oh, it's not so easy when you don't have their plays, is it? Well, yeah, or, or it's not so easy when you don't have the elite coach. And the, the other thing That's I'll it. say about that is the, the college football is so much more polarizing than the NFL. I don't care how passionate. I am first and foremost an NFL fan. The degree of passion slash vitriol slash et cetera that people who are died hard college fans feel about their opponents, rivals, et cetera, dwarfs that of the way we feel in the NFL as NFL fans. I mean, you know, you name it, whoever were my opponents, my rivals, Don Shula, Bill Belichick, insert name here. That's nothing compared to the way the Ohio State fans feel about Jim Harbaugh or the way the Auburn fans feel about Nick Saban or even the far less successful coaches than Nick Saban and Jim Harbaugh. They engender a great deal more vitriol, to your point. So you are going to hear that no matter what. For sure, 100%. And that puts a lot of onus on Ryan Day this year. As you said on Get Up Today, he might be under more pressure than any coach in the country. Well, I want to, credit, I want to give the credit for that to, I think it was Harry who said it first in the meeting. Was it Harry oh, Douglas? Oh, that's right. Yes, that's first? right. Someone said it in our meeting this morning. I think it was Harry Douglas who said, no one is under more pressure now than Ryan Day. He has to beat Michigan. He has to have a huge year. The, I think half the country has transferred to Ohio State, including all the Alabama guys, and Harbaugh is gone. And every Ohio State fan I know wants Mike Vrabel to replace Ryan Day right this second. So there you go. The pressure is on Day. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career you'll love with flexibility, great pay, and benefits in one of the country's top workplaces? Come join their growing team. Go to Progressive.com careers and apply online today. Uh, first impressions coming up next. Once again, I was right because mine is that rare genius that will not be fully appreciated till after my time. And I'm not talking about the Harbaugh thing. That's next on ESPN Radio. That was, that was on me. A little too hard. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement... 
Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists. Like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Assembled members of the hashtag crew have assembled around us. Cranky Bubba. Cam is with us today. Hambo with us today. Crankiest of all is me by far. I got no carbs. I got no Twitter. Outside that, I'm doing great. In the meantime, I feel better about myself because I got something exactly right. As usual, mine is that sort of rare genius that will not be fully appreciated until long after its time. The genius, you said? Your genius. He's genius, eh? We're not going to appreciate your brilliance until you're gone. Brilliant. I told you. That Jason Kelsey's wife was not going to like the way he behaved on Sunday. I say this because I have a wife. And I know how these things work. So not only did I tell you a year ago that Jim Harbaugh was going to be the coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. I also told you that at some point we were going to learn that Jason Kelsey's wife, Kylie, did not appreciate him being shirtless blind drunk, jumping into the stands and everything else that he did at the game on Sunday, despite how entertaining I and most of America found it. And then on their mutual podcast, Jason and Travis Kelsey together, 
That's exactly what was said. I don't think she was happy about it, to be honest with you. I, there was one picture, and it was her kind of smiling and laughing at it and kind of for it. Like, yep, there's Jason. I'm not going to lie. I gave Kylie a heads up. The moment we got into the suite, I said, <laughs> I'm taking my shirt off, and I'm jumping out of that suite. <laughs> and she said, Jason. Right. She said, Jason, don't you dare. And I was like, hey. <laughs> See, I'm thinking. Just letting you know I'm happening. thinking it's like that, I'm not uh, asking for permission. I'm doing this. <laughs> once a Kelsey man's determined, there's no stopping him and she was already telling me to be on my best behavior because we were meeting taylor so she's like do not this is be hilarious. on your best behavior i was like kylie when i met you the first day i met you i was blacked out drunk and fell asleep at <laughs> the bar this is part of the charm this is part of the jason kelsey charm <laughs> oh man well tay says she absolutely loved you so <laughs> okay so couple of thoughts first and foremost um you just heard why everyone loves jason kelsey right he's just the most lovable person in the world and i love him that said, his wife was humiliated by this. She was hideously embarrassed because the whole world is watching her husband behave in a way that any wife is going to be embarrassed by. That's just the way it works. But she has such a great sense of humor. Let, let's, let's, let's not even factor in that they were meeting the brother's girlfriend for the first time, apparently serious girlfriend, Oh, by the way, she's the most famous woman in the entire world. So all that goes in the hopper. But B, or otherwise, in addition to all of that, she's got a great sense of humor. Because she posted, because he heard his wording there, I wasn't asking for permission, I'm just going for it. And she posted, I'm going to get a cat. I'm not asking permission, I'm just going for it. Which suggests to me that they have had a little husband and wife dispute over whether or not to get a cat. And she just decided, now that you have behaved yourself like a, the way you did on national television in front of Taylor Swift and the rest of the world, I'm going and getting that cat, and there's not a damn thing you can do about it. Your marriage and my marriage are similar, which is to say, I've never once said to my wife, I'm not asking for permission for anything. Right. So how can Jason... How can, what has he done that I can learn to do to reach a place where I can do that, where I can say what I'm doing and not ask what I'm doing? I really don't know. I, I, I usually have an answer to all things, but under no circumstances can I do this. Bubba might. There are so many things I can't do. Um, like that would be, that would be like a, so far out of the, <laughs> like there are a million things I can't do. I, I walk out of the closet and I have to confirm everything I'm wearing if we're going out for dinner. Every single night, this true story, every single night, I go to bed on weeknights earlier than Stace does. I will put out a jacket, the pants she's not worried about. I put out a jacket. I hang them on my, in my closet so they're hanging from a hook so you can see them. A jacket, a shirt, and a pocket square. And they're, and they're out, you know, you can hang them so that you're actually seeing what the outfit all looks like together. When I wake up in the morning and walk into that same closet... 75% of the time, she has changed all of them. 100% of the time, she's changed at least one of them. And that's the way I live my life, and that's the way most husbands I know live their lives. So how do I get away with wearing sweatpants and no shirt while meeting Taylor Swift for the first time? I really don't so know. So that's, that's the part of this I did not know before the podcast. What did he is, pull off? Right. How did he do this? How? Let me ask you another question. Do you have a cat? I have a dog. Yes, I have a dog. Mm. Bubba, you have a cat? 
No, I don't have. I personally don't have any animals. My family always had dogs. Cam, you have a cat? Uh, my my parents had cats when I was growing up, but I do not have one. I, I don't understand cats. Like I don't, I don't, I'm not anti-cat. I, I I never had a pet of any kind. Uh, growing up, growing you mean. up, I had a hamster. What's well, uh, a pet of some kind? Okay, fair enough. But I never had like your, your dog or cat. Uh, I should have said it that way. The, the, I guess a lot of things are pets. People have snakes, fish. We were having a conversation in the makeup room ye- yesterday about sh- this one woman who we work with, Anita, the hairstylist, mm-hmm. said that she at one point in her life had a snake and another point had a ferret. Really? Yeah. That's a weird animals to have, right? Simultaneously? I, mean, I don't. I don't. I mean, I. <laughs> I wouldn't think those ferret? would last long. Yeah. What happened to them? Which would eat which? The snake would eat the. Well, I assume the snake would eat the ferret if it was a pet snake that was large enough, right? I mean, you're making an assumption that I have absolutely no opinion. But I've on. never seen a tiny pet snake. Like no one has a tiny pet snake. I mean, they grow into. Large... How big is a ferret? Isn't what? a ferret basically just like an elongated rat? Like what is exactly is it's a hairier. ferret? It's It's an, it's an elongated rat with more hair. From what I understand. All right. Well, anyway. I don't know what they eat, though. The point I'm trying to make is, like, I've been to people's homes multiple times. This is my issue with a cat. There are people I know whose homes I've been to on multiple occasions, dinner parties, cocktail parties, picking kids up from whatever, like, have spent substantial time in their home and not known they had a cat. Like you can be in some, if you ever walk into the house of someone who has a dog, you know they have a dog. <laughs> you're going to know they have a dog immediately because the dog is coming running over and you're going to get sniffed and you're going to get all of that and it's going to be a dog and that's it. And again, I love my dog more than I've ever loved anything in my life. So that's a dog. You could go to someone's house like, and the 10th time you go, say, wait a minute, you have a cat? <laughs> Like, I've never even seen the cat. I've spent hours in this house. The cat doesn't want anything to do with you. I think the cat just shows up every once in a while when it needs something. The cat strikes me as something that a cat only deals with you to the extent that it must. Like, you are, not, you are tolerable. You are, you, are, you are a necessary evil. Like, I think if the cat shows up, it's because you forgot to feed it or you forgot to... I don't know. What do you do with a cat? To change it? Sometimes what, what, cats whatever, like walking. Like walking. No. What do you do with a cat? I don't you even change the litter box. You know, yeah, yeah. That's, it's the litter box. You feed, you know, feed it food, and then sometimes it'll like walk in and out of your legs and like rub up against your legs. That's what cats like to do for fun. They do. My grandparents, uh, my mother on my mother's side, they they had kittens at their farm often, and it was always so sad because like every once in a while the runt, my grandpa would have to take it out into the cornfield and break its neck because it wouldn't survive otherwise. And when I was a young person... Wait, wait, whoa, wait, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. What right. are you talking what about? Just Your grandfather would assassinate a cat for Gee. being too small? Well, I mean, if it's a runt of the litter and it had no chance of surviving... He would... How would it have no chance of surviving? Oh You're telling gosh. me that all the other cats would turn on that cat and kill it because it was small? No, I'm not saying the cat would be murdered. I'm saying it didn't have the, 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 the faculties, the vitals to survive. And he knew that from, from raising you know, kittens for so many years. So we'd have to take it out back and either, you know, smack it in the head with a Stop shovel or break it. Stop making the slapping neck. sound. That's the worst story I've ever heard oh my in my entire God. life. I'm begging you to tell me it's not true. No, it's it's true. When you grow up in a farm, life is hard. Yeah, this is like Buster only. <laughs> Buster had a, his pet was a was a steer named Daniel Boone. And one day, I mean, he's told this story to me so many times, and he was over playing at his friend Billy Davenport's house. Then he came home, and Daniel Boone's eight stomachs were, like, spread out across the lawn, and that's how he learned about the circle of life. That's farm life. 
I guess. It happens to kittens, too. But yeah, it's usually with actual, and not kittens. It's usually, It doesn't yeah, happen with domesticated animals. That's so unsettling. It does happen with domesticated animals. Is your animals. grandfather still with us? He's not. Okay, were he, I think we would have to arrest him. Oh, no. That does this not is, sound like appropriate behavior. No, this is exceedingly common in farm life. It happens all the time when you kill your pets. Where was this farm? Uh, in the outskirts of Toledo. <laughs> okay. I mean, very, like, <laughs> we're talking about suburban Toledo. The outskirts. I'm the only person in the world, in oh, the Toledo. world, whose mother is from Toledo and whose father is from Beirut. <laughs> it explains a lot so. about you. Um, anyway, you know what we discovered today, by the way? I'm in such a bad mood. I just feel like saying something that's going to make someone laugh. It may not be me. Are you aware, Bubba, that, Hembo, how long have I known you? Uh, ten years. I've known him ten years. He has worked, when I left, uh, Mike and Mike to come to get up, you were literally the only person I took with me. We have written a book together. We are writing two more together. We spend more. I spend as much time with you as I do practically any human being on planet Earth besides my wife. Yikes. And I found out today that I spell his name wrong, and it is written <laughs> wrong in my contacts. What? His name is Hembekitis, and I thought it was Hembekitis. I have an I where an E should be. Yeah, oh, that's my right. gosh. And so here's the problem. I'm having such difficulty. So he said that it bothers him. That it is wrong in my contacts. Right. So I said, here's what's going to have to happen. With all the issues I'm having with my phone, I'm not changing it. I'm not going in there and trying to change the contact because I'm sure something bad will happen. So I think you have to go change the spelling of your name. <laughs> That's I think you need to go to I'm the now DMV. Paul you, 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 you are Paul Hembekitis. You're not Paul Hembekitis. <laughs> Uh, it's it's H E M B E. Yes, that's how it's properly spelled. It's on the book. Doesn't sound right to me. That's the, that's that's why the first time I showed up, you said no, we're calling you Hembo, just on the uh, spot. Yeah, that's, I'm right. surprised you have him listed in your phone with Paul. I just, I just figured it would just be one word Hembo. Yeah, how did that happen? Like you I actually have, no have Paul listed? I have no idea, but it's, I do. It's probably one of those times, Bubba, where like you request a contact from someone else, and I'm guessing someone nine yeah. years ago had me in their phone with my first and last name for some reason. But wrong. But wrong. Whoever it is I got it from, it's H-E-M-B-I-K-I-D-E-S. Probably Patriot Ray. Probably is, and then, I, and then I have Hembo in, uh, in quotation marks. Just in case they might have another Paul Hembikidis floating out there? Yeah, just in case there are other Paul Hembikidi that I need to deal with, which I do. Is that, what is the plural of your, like, if, if you, are you the Hembikidises? That's what we say. We say or are you the Hembikidi? We say Hembikidises, but we never know if, to, if we should add an S or do the apostrophe with just the te- after the 10th letter. It's very hard to decide. I find that interesting. We had a f- family friends, Bubba, whose name, their last name was Wolf. Hmm. And I wondered, in the plural, are they the wolves? <laughs> <laughs> like, would they be W-O-L-V-E-S? And that is the plural of wolf. Michael Wolf. He was a friend of mine. lived on my blog. He's probably listening right now. He lived on the street we lived in in Connecticut. And, 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 and I would always say, well, we're going to go over and see the wolves. You can't. Wolves is wrong. So I, I would mean, have done what you did. It and, sounds like they have pet wolves. What's that? It sounds like they have pet wolves. <laughs> Which is way the hell better, I think, than having pet snakes and or pet grandpa ferrets. grandpa is going to snap the wolf's neck. But to go all the way back to the beginning of this Not conversation. Not if it doesn't have rabies. Kylie Kelsey. <laughs> what about canker sores? Is going to go out and get a cat. And that, to me, is the best sign of a healthy relationship. They obviously have a healthy relationship. They get each other. If, if the response to you're going out and 
basically humiliating all of us in front of the world and Taylor Swift and not necessarily in that order. Then I'm going out and getting this cat you've not wanted and I don't want to hear a word about it. There are so few people, if any people, that could get away with what Jason Kelsey just did. And for him to get away with that... I'm not convinced there are any other people. And that high-stakes environment is so rare. I want what he has. I'll never have what he yeah, has. Yeah, I'll have what he's having. <laughs> <laughs> no, human, no human being ever possibly has. Right, let's do a couple of one questions. I have only one question. Embo, throw a couple of pre- championship game one questions at me, and because I, I want to save this coaching stuff for later. By just about any objective measure... This Ravens team is historically great. Not just, I mean, this is a historically great, like 2007 Patriots great kind of team when you look at the metrics. Why aren't they being perceived as such? A couple of reasons. One, because they lost a bunch of games early. So we lost sight of them. I don't think anyone expected them to beat San Francisco. I don't think most, I don't think most of the football public started really buying into the Ravens until they smashed San Francisco. Was that Christmas? Right around yes, it was Christmas. Christmas. They, they smashed San Francisco, and I think that changed everything. Two, in a league where, and look, Lamar Jackson remains incredible, but in a league where players or quarterbacks are routinely throwing for 4,000, 4,500 yards in a season, he's not. How many yards did he throw for this year? Uh, it's going to be one of the lower numbers ever for, uh, for an MVP For an winner. MVP, that's In total, I mean. it was uh, 3,600 um, yards with 24 touchdowns. I mean, th- those are just... Josh Allen's numbers are infinitely higher than that. So I think there's an unspectacular nature to them. And the, the the defenses, the Ravens have the best defense in the league. But the defenses that become part of the vernacular, the 85 Bears, the 2000 Ravens, they, they rush the quarterback, they lead, they, they kill people. This team just stops you. They just shut you down. They're just very, very, very good. They're great. They're great. They're not very good. But they seem very good. They're two wins away from a championship, and then there'll be no questioning at any point. I have only one question. It's six conference championship games and six seasons for Patrick Mahomes. Do you think that this is his most impressive run among them, given the depletion at wide receiver? Oh, sorry. I thought you were going to ask me, do I think that is his most impressive statistic? Oh, no, that's not what I was asking. Which I actually think it is. Hmm. The consistency is what really separates the great ones. Like when we talked about LeBron and his championships and everything else, what did he go, 10 consecutive years that he made the finals? or Was it 9 or 10 straight years he was in the final? To me, that was the most impressive thing about him. To me, Brady, more impressive than the seven Super Bowls he's won are the three he lost. People talk about losing the Super Bowl like it should be held against you. You know what it means? It means you won the conference championship game. It means you won at least two playoff games. Winning in the, in the most important games of the season should always be celebrated. It should always be a positive on your lifetime resume. So I think of all the things I can tell you about Mahomes, the fact that he's never failed to get to at least this point is actually the most impressive. Is this his most impressive run? Probably. Who would they beat the first week? Someone, oh, Pittsburgh. So, because again, no, Miami. Miami was the first week. Oh, sorry, Miami. The freezing in the, in the, cold game. In yeah. the frigid cold, yeah. On Peacock. And they were so injured. If Let's put it this way if he, if he wins Sunday, I think you might argue that's his best win. Yeah. That, that is his single best. I mean, look, the 13 seconds is always going to be his calling card. 
but I think you could argue that's his best one. Let me pause on that thought. I'm, I like these questions. Let's come back and continue to consider that. Plus, we got to look at the coaching moves that have been made so far and the ones that haven't and figure out who's getting it right and who's not. That's next on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. We, we stumbled onto an interesting little question. And, and that's the beauty of this format and this medium. You ask me one thing, I misinterpreted it as something else, and we find ourselves in a really fascinating conversation. Bubba, if I were to ask you, what is the single most impressive thing you can say about Patrick Mahomes? Take out watching him play. I understand the eye test is, he makes your jaw drop and hit your chest at least, you know, once every other week. So, but take that out. Of something you could actually write down on a piece of paper, of all the things that he has accomplished to this point in his career, which is the most impressive? Um, I would say the the conference championship games. I think I would say that. Me too. I, I, that, that's that's what we sort of stumbled onto accidentally. More than winning two championships, more than winning two MVPs, more than any is the fact that in every single season he has been the starter. He's made it at least to the conference championship game. Like, he doesn't – he's just always consistently good. He's had one bad game in his entire postseason career. He's had one bad half. He didn't even have a bad game against Burrow and the Bengals. He had a bad half against – weren't they winning that game like 21-3 to three or something? He played a bad fourth quarter in that game. He played sure. a bad half. He, he did. did. He played a bad half, and, and it cost them a game. Of that, there is no question. But if you go back over all the great ones, they've all had that. Generally speaking, they have more than that. They have more than one. I remember Tom Brady standing on a field after an AFC championship game that they won and being interviewed by maybe Jim Nance or whoever it was, but it was like live to the stadium. And Nance asked him a question and Brady said, yeah, well, I pretty much sucked today. And that was what happened. He had a bad game in the AFC championship game. His team still won. I think that was the Lee Evans game against Baltimore, if I'm remembering that correctly. Cam, you've got that photographic memory could you look that up? That would have been the 2011, I think, AFC Championship game. What were Brady's numbers in that I'll game? I'll pull that up. I've got it. Brady was 22 of 36 for 239 yards and two picks on no touchdowns. Yeah, he wasn't good in that game, and the team managed to win. My point is, Mahomes has been great. The game he lost, the first game he lost to Brady was ridiculous. That was the game that D. Ford jumped off sides. That was the, the, his first AFC Championship game. What what were his numbers in that? No, oh, he was magnificent in that game. Uh, and if it weren't for the offsides, they probably would have won that Super Bowl too. Yeah. I'll, I'll pull that box score up now. And and then the other one was the Super Bowl that he lost to Brady, in which he had no offensive line at all. He was running for his life basically from the opening gun. He was the best player on the field in a game that That's his team lost. One of my favorite Mahomes games. Uh, he threw three touchdowns and no interceptions in that game in 295 yards against. That was the first Brady. Game? Yes, and then the Super Bowl. <laughs> the Super Bowl. I mean, he, his numbers obviously weren't very good, but that's still one of my favorite Mahomes games because because we had, that's a game you had to watch it to to be able to. 
be able to articulate his greatness because every, like they basically had to rebuild their whole team, like the whole philosophy afterwards. They decided after that day, oh, we have to prioritize our offensive line, which means we have to punt our Hall of Fame receiver away. And then for him last year to go beat Philly, a team that had 70 sacks in the regular season that year and score on every single possession in the second half with a number one being a tight end is insane. Like I think last year was actually Patrick Mahomes' best season given the fact that that was the best they could do. We're going we're gonna to protect you better. We're going to give away literally a Hall of Fame receiver who's had just two ridiculous years back-to-back. You're going to have to throw the ball to a tight end, and you can still win a championship. Yeah. He's yeah. unbelievable. I mean, he's the best. He's the best player I've ever seen. And, and, but I think this would be an, an even greater accomplishment if he gets this team there. I have another question for you. So yeah. Patrick Mahomes in his career has started, including the playoffs, 112 games. Uh, how many of those 112 games do you think his team lost by more than one score? Out of 112 games? I mean, this is my favorite Mahomes. The simple fact that you're asking the question suggests it's going to be a very low number. I'm trying to think what is a low number. He started 112? Yes. Not he's won 100. 112 games total. Yeah, his career record as a starter is 87 and 25, including the playoffs. That's so wild. Unbelievable. So, so you're asking me, out of those 25 losses, how many of them were more than eight points? How many of them were nine points or more? Mm-hmm. It's going to be like a really small, it's going to be like three. It's four. Yeah. And Patrick Mahomes has started 112 NFL games. It's ridiculous. And in four of them, in four of them, yeah. his team lost by more than eight points. Yeah. So that to me, like the consistency of getting to six consecutive Final Fours is astonishing. It's incredible to do that year over year. But to do that week over week, yeah. over the course of eight years now, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. Seven years now, six, six years now, is even more astonishing in my opinion. That, that's, he has basically had... He's had basically one bad game a season. And that's the kind of consistency that like, very few players in any sport can consistently bring. I mean, yeah. we're talking about like hitting safely in 40 straight games or scoring 30 points in 30 straight games. I mean, these are the kinds of things that no one ever does. Right. Ever. And, and he's doing it right in front of us. And yet you and the rest of the world are picking against him on Sunday. It's a team sport. I won't do it. But I just won't do it. It's a team sport. But the, the quarterbacks are disproportionately important. Basketball is a team sport, too. I understand not on the same level. But history is fascinating because it's written by the winners and it's written the way people want it to be written. But I was there. So I'm here to tell you. When the Bulls played Phoenix in the finals of 93, they weren't supposed to win. When the Bulls played the Knicks in the Eastern Conference finals of 93, they weren't supposed to win. The Knicks had home court advantage, and they beat the Bulls the first two games. That was the John Starks lefty dunk. I was standing right there when it happened. Phoenix had home court advantage. The reason that some of these games were played where they were played, notice when Michael Jordan had his last moment in Utah with his hand standing up in the air. That was game six. Where was that game being played? It was being played in Utah because they went 2-3-2 back then. The Bulls weren't supposed to win all those championships. Every single year, this is the year it finally, it's going to catch up to Michael. Carl Malone is due, and this guy, Charles Barkley is too good, and Patrick, and every single time, Michael won. Every single time, Michael won. And so you're just going to have to show me. I will gladly come in here on Monday if Mahomes loses and say, okay, you were right, they beat him. This is the biggest, I need to see it happen. This is the biggest challenge of his career. But it has happened. That's the thing. Mahomes isn't bulletproof. Well, I mean, everyone, no one is perfect. 
But what I'm saying is... But you're comparing him to Jordan, who, you know, when you get to the finals, he was. Understand that. Yeah. But he, Jordan also lost to Detroit right. in the conference finals, back-to-back years. He, the, the, no one wins every single year that they play. The further you go, the better it is. I just said it a minute ago, the three Super Bowls Brady lost are way better than not having been in them in the first place. And the same can be said about Jordan. Jordan carried mediocre or slash growing teams to the Eastern Conference Finals and played tough in 89 and 90. And and as they were making their way there and they finally broke through and won it all in 91. That's the way sports is supposed to work. I'll tell you this. Patrick Mahomes has never gone into a game in the regular or postseason for which he has less of a... Less business winning than this one. I'll put it that way. This Ravens defense will be the best defense he ever plays in the NFL. Better than the Eagles last year? Better than the Eagles last year. Didn't the Eagles year. have 70 sacks last yeah, year? Yeah, but they weren't nearly as good. This Ravens defense is front way to back better. As this, this, defense is, this defense is better than the Tampa defense that he lost to in the Super Bowl. It's better than the Cincinnati defense that stifled him in the second half in the AFC Championship game a couple of years ago. He has, he has definitively the worst team. He's playing on the road. He's playing with a rest disadvantage. They have every reason to lose this game. Lamar Jackson and the Ravens have every reason to win this game. If he finds a way to do it, if they win the game and it's because of him, and if they win the game, it will be because of him, it will be the most significant victory of his entire career, and he has 87 of them. Sometimes being in the position where everything is in your favor and you're supposed to win is not always a role people wear comfortably. And I just look at that Ravens team, look, They've been the best team in the sport all year long. They deserve the credit. They deserve to be the favorite and everything else. I just, I've seen weird things happen over the years. I've seen weirder things than Patrick Mahomes winning this game happen over the years. And I'll say it again. Until I see it, I won't believe it. We'll do the coaching stuff and the picks and everything else for a football Friday tomorrow. We'll see you then on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcasts.